0: Welcome to the weathered man podcast. This is your host Chad Stecker and I am the weathered man. Just a humbled man pleading to a broken world. I always have a lot to say, but hopefully today is exactly what you need to hear. It's good to be back. I know I've been gone for the last couple of weeks. We went on vacation and it was amazing. We went to Colorado to see my mom and dad and other family. And it's good to be back home. It's good to be recording again and uh, and hitting the ground running in a sense. We got back last night, and this morning I could not wait. I couldn't wait to get to this point where I was recording today. So I've spent the last nine episodes dealing with drama from different perspectives and viewpoints. Hopefully, those of you that are following and listening on a normal basis have not only enjoyed these episodes but are able to look and see drama from God's eyes and not merely from the cultural perspectives pushed on us by our own feelings and other desires. We have discussed everything from betrayal to spiritual castration to Jesus being our antidote and to and within that many other things in between and, and uh, taking deeper levels, deeper thoughts concerning something that we just kind of throw around when we use the word drama, something that was used derogatively, right? That something that was always used negatively. Like we don't want to be around the drama and turn that into something that actually makes us not breaks us. Today on this final episode for this season, I want to simply tie it all together as best as I can and deal with the practical conclusions concerning leaders though. The Christian leader to be exact. So if you're a Christian and consider yourself a leader and have a desire to lead in a ca- capacity that is beyond what you've been leading in or beyond what your earthly expectations are, today's your day. Buckle up and listen closely. Today I want to conclude this season on drama with the three things that the dramatic reveals in leaders. And we understand that it reveals, I understand that this re- drama reveals a lot in everybody, right? But I think especially in the day and age in which we live right now, the leader, the true leader that arises and leads us in a direction not of hate, not of anger, but into love and grace and mercy and to the strength that Jesus showcased as he conquered sin. We can conquer the very things that are deluding our world and deceiving our world in the same manner. So I really want to talk to the leaders today. And with everything that is going on in this world today, like I said before, ranging from COVID-19 to issues surrounding racism, to political outreach or overreach, to extreme poverty, and many other situations in need of determined attention, I want to direct my thoughts to the character or lack thereof of the leaders rather than the issues themselves. I am going to bring up some of the issues, but I'm not going after those very issues. I I hope the context brings us to the focus of the actual leader or people that long to lead in this situation and in this uh, cultural generation that we live in right now. I do have many thoughts on the situations going on in our country, right, and around the world, and I'm not afraid to speak My thoughts or reveal my beliefs. I never have been afraid of those things. Sometimes I speak my thoughts and reveal my beliefs in the wrong manner or in the wrong timing. That's not my issue. But today I want to deal with what I believe is one of the biggest keys to victory over all the issues already mentioned and countless others I left out. You ready? I've already said it. Leadership. Remember, I am dealing with the leaders that call themselves Christians, okay? So I do have a foundation and a principle I'm standing on. I'm not dealing with uh, um, secular leadership. I'm not dealing with leadership from a different perspective within different religions. I'm dealing, coming from the angle of, I am a Christian. I believe we need Christian leadership more now than ever before. And thus, I'm going to talk to the Christian leaders of our culture, of our generation, I'm also dealing with those ambit- those that are ambitious enough to lead that might not see themselves as true leaders yet, right? So we have those people that are, are, are know that they've been called to lead, known they've been called to be ministry leaders, church leaders, or just leaders in general with their friends and amongst their peers, but don't really feel like you're there yet and you want to grow. You need to also buckle up and listen because I'm talking to you as well. I'm going to come from a positive point of view, even though I might be dealing with some negative situations or negative insights. I want to build you up, not tear you down. But I also want to speak with truth. And I want to speak to where we're at right now and what our true needs are. Because if we don't deal with some of the negative issues, how can we positively affect our culture for the better? All right. Too many times in life, people try and wait to do what... to do the right things until they they get to where they're wanting to go, right? When when I get married, I'll deal with this situation in my life or once I have kids, I'll stop doing this. Or when I get when I get a leadership position, I'll start studying leadership and how to lead these people right right now. But right now, oh, I don't need to do any of that, right? Life doesn't work that way, just so you know. If you are desiring to lead, then study leadership right now. But study it in the Bible and read other resources to help you better understand leadership. Work on the character you must have as a leader and start implementing the life principles that make a good leader into your lives right now, ASAP. No time wasted. In the fall of 2007, Leadership Magazine made this statement. Many people believe that they would be more generous Let me say that right many people believe that they would be more generous if they had more money How many of you say well, I'll start tithing when I actually start making some more money I I don't really have it in the budget right now or I'll give to this charity if I just had a little extra, right? But your little extra is actually going to things that are of this world Many people believe that they would be more generous if they had more money now listen according to Forbes There were 946 billionaires in 2007 around the world. And they gave an average of 1.2% of their income to charitable causes. (laughs) I say this a lot on this podcast. I'm going to say it in this episode as well. Let that sink in. 946. 146 billionaires in 2007, and together they combined to give an average of 1.2% of their income to charitable causes. Be generous with whatever amount of money God has entrusted to you, because I guarantee you this, if you're not generous with what you have, if you're ever fortunate to make more than what you make now, you won't be generous then either, because generosity is a character trait. It is not a salary. The character and actions of the wealthiest in the world were determined not by the amount of money they have, but by the desires of their hearts. Tanya and I, we give, and we give much. I will say that. Not because we have have much. All right? Because when it comes to our finances, we've gone through seasons where we had much, but right now we're in a season where we don't have much when it comes to finances. But our giving hasn't slacked because the need is much and we desire to have a place within the lives of those less fortunate than us. Our desire to give is not dependent on what we have, but who we know and and who we long to help. Come on. The same goes for the positioning of leadership, y'all. The character and leadership styles of the leaders in our lives were determined long before they accepted the position and title they currently have and are in. When I pastored, we staffed our paid and volunteered positions with people that were already organically, originally doing what their job description asked for them to do. What do I mean by this? Those that were serving others in the church and caring for others were noticed and then given positions of leadership within those areas. We knew they could be trusted in those areas because they were already serving and caring for others organically. It was what they were doing out of their own heart, not because it was a job title or a position that must be filled, and it wasn't because it was their job. It was because it was that what they desired to do for God and God alone. I remember a a person that I worked with at the church and and she She served people. And many of the things we did to serve the community, we learned about those things through her. And what we did was people go, how did you think about doing this for your church? How did you think about doing that certain thing for Thanksgiving for different people or for Christmas? And I was like, we learned it from this certain person because that's what she and her family were doing on a smaller scale every Thanksgiving and Christmas. This was the perfect person to help lead and to help serve in our serving and care ministry. There are many people y'all, you need to understand this. There are many people in a position of leadership without the tools and character to lead well. They just have a position and they've been given a title. What I want to do is talk to actual leaders here. I don't care if you're a CEO of a ministry or a business, or you're just the grow pastor at your church of 40. I want to speak to those people that have the character and the ability to lead well and the desire to grow within their leadership today. Also, the time, it's, it's, we must un, also understand that the time to begin the process of leading well is not once you've received a title of leadership, but when you're simply following. We don't make enough about following in our culture anymore. There have been many times in my life when looking back at my best seasons of leadership, Those seasons were not attached to an earthly title position when I was the leader, but they were tied to my position and posture as a follower. I led by example through being the best follower in the group. If they followed me, they followed me to the best place as followers together. My leadership style was not only determined during the years of being first a follower, but let me add it was also determined through those I followed. My leadership mindset was modeled by those I chose to follow, or by those God put in my plate, like put in front of me for me to follow. Remember, this is not anything. Remember this, if not anything else today. I know I'm rambling a little bit more than I usually do. Just take it. I just got off a of vacation. Bear with me. If you remember anything today, remember this. Leaders don't just get others to replicate their actions, but true leaders reproduce who they actually are. I can't tell you how many times I've been complimented on my leadership or my leadership style. And what followed was me replying with a, well, I learned that from my dad. Or, I got that from Pastor Paul. Or, I got to this point because of the accountability and tough love of Brent Guthrie. And so on, and so on, and so on. My leadership wasn't just complimented by, but it was literally founded in the Word of God and those leaders God placed in my path to teach me, mentor me, and coach me along the way. We are never who we are as leaders under our own merits or God's calling alone. God has called many people into leadership to only watch them flame out or lead wrongly. Our desires and actions play a huge role. I'm not negating that. But we also have to understand that the actions and leadership of others in our life play a huge role as well. Now let's get to the three things that the dramatic reveals in leaders. If I'm going to base these three dramatic revelations off the past few months through the study of drama that we've been on at this on, in this podcast in this season, then it might be good for me to explain the definition of drama one last time so that we can have that foundational piece going forward. Drama is an exciting, emotional, or unexpected series of events or set of circumstances. That's drama. I'm not going to break down the definition today, but if you want more, then I strongly suggest you listen to my spoken word called drama. You can get that. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook and many other platforms and all the other episodes leading up to today. You can find them also on all the major podcast platforms, including Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But if you'd rather go to a one-stop shop, I suggest you go to my website, theweatheredman.com. You can get everything there. Now. Back to the three things that the dramatic reveals in leaders. One, who or what you depend on. The first thing that the dramatic reveals in a leader is who or what the leader depends on. The best scripture for the Christian leaders is in John 5, 19. It says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. See, Jesus proved that not only was he the greatest leader this world has ever seen, but also that his dependence wasn't on himself or in himself, but in his own leader. Who was his leader? His father. Father, God, Abba. He only did what he saw the father doing. The dramatic will reveal who or what the leader depends on. Meaning, do they only believe in being in leadership or do they also believe they need to remain under leadership as well? I have learned throughout the years that God will not bless a leader in authority if they have not also chosen to remain under authority. Some have said that Jesus, I can't can't stand this, but some have said that Jesus needed no authority because in his perfection he became the ultimate authority. It sounds really good, doesn't it? Sounds very scriptural and spiritual. This is what I say to them. Actually, one of the reasons he was able to remain perfect on earth was because he chose to remain under the right authority all along, God the Father. He wasn't the best authority ever because he was perfect. No, he remained perfect because he remained under the authority of God himself, the most amazing leader of all. In times of stress, trouble, or the dramatic, and let me just say after, you know, often those come at the same time. They're one in the same. The rogue leaders of this day only care about their own success and well-being, and they're revealed to the masses that actually pay attention. It's real simple when times are rough, isn't it, to see who's an actual leader who is an actual person caring for those that are following him as he follows Christ or her as she follows Christ. The Christian leader must only depend on God. So the first revelation of of leadership under the dramatic is who or what they depend on. Let me tell you right now, if they're going to be a great Christian leader, their only dependence is on God and God alone. Nothing of this world can be dependent on at all times. Just look at our current situation in the church. I carefully watched and learned which pastors were completely dependent on Sunday services to feel empowered and have an effect on their congregations compared to the ones that maneuvered with the circumstances and pastored their people throughout the situation of COVID-19. You know, churches were closed down for the first time ever in our country, really, in this mass um hysteria or or just this mass way of thinking right and whether you believed it was for the good or believed that it was negative or anywhere in between that's not what I'm dealing with but let's look at this at the beginning of the year every pastor was talking about vision 2020 and I've looked back, very few pastors were talking about anything along the lines of what actually happened, right? So their vision was grand, Dios, God is going to do a major thing. And when this happened, you could see which pastors were fighting for Sunday services in a building that they always said wasn't the, really the church, right? And those that were saying, okay, how do I serve my people in the midst of this situation? Because the church are the actual people, not the building itself. Now, we've all said, you know, for years, you know, the church isn't a building and all that. But then when they start to try to take away our buildings, how many people started fighting for the building? We never said what we always said wasn't the church anyways. And we let our people just crumble. Very few churches, I might say. I'm very impressed as a previous pastor. on watching how the pastors led during this epidemic as a whole. It was beautiful, actually. Closing a building didn't prevent many of our pastoral leaders from leading well and serving those that follow them as they follow Christ. I said throughout, and I mean this, churches are literally finding out in this season and this epidemic that we are going through and still going through, whether they have a pastor called by God or a preacher with the talent to speak. The greatest leaders are also the best followers, y'all. The best followers are dependent on God and God alone. The second thing that dramatic reveals in leaders is this: whether they are the right, whether they are the right person, or just doing the right things. Now, let me say that doing the right things as a person is a great thing in and of itself. I'm not suggesting that doing right is wrong. I'm not playing word games with you. What I'm saying is, is there are many leaders. That, within ministries, churches, and businesses that are doing all the right things when there's nothing going wrong. But when times get hard and things begin to fall apart, they don't seem to have any answers because they don't have time to read the next book on leadership in a moment their leadership is needed most. It's easy to follow a blueprint on how to grow a church or ministry or following when everything seems to be going right, but what happens when life turns drastically and there is no blueprint to follow? Followers will quickly find out whether they are following a person or a cultural blueprint. Leaders are needed and implanted by God, not for the mountaintop, y'all, but to lead others out of the valleys and during the climb towards the mountain itself, towards the mountaintop, towards the, towards the summit where God resides. Too many leaders want to lead in time of complete certainty and then want to run when uncertainty within the culture seems to show its face. I am completely convinced that extended times of ease makes a weak man and makes a weak woman. While the times culture or the enemy implements circumstances of uneasiness, warriors are refined and now defined for the glory of God. So when the dramatic appears in our culture and on our streets and within our churches, the second thing it will reveal in our leaders and leadership is whether they're actually the right person for the job or just doing the right things, maintaining a smooth surface, not prepared for the bumps along the way. And the third, and final, the third thing that the dramatic reveals in leaders is whether they are emotionally stable or just emotionally driven. To be emotionally stable is that you can withstand difficult situations, handle adversity, and remain productive and capable throughout. Let me me just suggest this. It's so easy for a speaker or for me as the, the one doing this podcast to make it sound like I'm giving you stuff that I do really good at. I'm really good at these things. Now, I will tell you the first two, I'm a great leader within those two. Those those two revelations when t- times got rough, I believe revealed the right thing about me. Too many times when the dramatic came, this third one is what used to be my hiccup. It's what I'm working on constantly. So can I speak from somebody that's learning as well? I can still lead while on the journey, y'all. And so I'll just be flat out honest. This is the third, this third point, this third thing that the dramatic reveals in the leader, I've tried to work on because it, a lot of times revealed that I was emotionally uh, unstable. I was emotionally driven instead of becoming emotionally stable within the Lord. So let me get back on track. To be emotionally stable is that you can withstand difficult situations, handle adversity, While remaining productive and capable throughout. That's huge right there. And to be emotionally driven, it means that you're emotional, impulsive. Your impulsive brain is always overriding your rational one and shutting it down. I love this when secularism actually proves that there's two mentalities, two brains, two two ways of thinking. That your impulsive brain, your worldly brain, your brain that is not covered by the blood of Christ is overriding your rational one. Because all rationality comes from God himself and shutting it down. That the rationale is being shut down by your thoughts of this world. Rationality. Let's just define rationality because obviously if you're impulsive brain, we know what impulse is, right? You're not thinking. You're just going. It's just impulsive. It is your is your old way of thinking, always overriding your rational one. What is rationality? Rationality is this, the state or quality of being rational. <laughs> Duh. Don't you love dictionaries? All right. Let's get to the more important definitions. The possession of reason, agreeableness to reason, reasonableness, the exercise of reason, a reasonable view or practice it's one, it's something that is acceptable something that makes sense something that is that is clear and precise it's something that you have thought through you know jesus says multiple t- a few times i believe the f- one of the ones that i love talking about is in isaiah or jeremiah or both where he says come let us reason together let us think logically together before going any further let me point out point us back to the first point today. Who or what do you depend on? If the Christian depends on God like we already suggested and and, and determined, that now infers that all rational thought and logic comes from God himself, right? And nowhere else. Norman Cousins was hospitalized with a rare crippling form of arthritis. When When it was diagnosed as incurable, Cousins checked out of the hospital. Aware of the harmful effects that negative emotions can have on the body, Cousins reasoned the reverse was true. Logical thinking, right? No impulse. Some of us would have left the hospital impulsively, right? In fear. He didn't. He reasoned, and this is how he reasoned. So he borrowed a movie projector, this is way back in the day, and prescribed his own treatment consisting of the Marx Brothers films and old Candid Camera reruns. It didn't take long for him to discover that 10 minutes of laughter provided two hours of pain-free sleep. Amazingly, his debilitating disease was eventually reversed, y'all. After the account of his victory appeared in the New England Journal of Medicine, Cousins received more than 3,000 letters from appreciative physicians throughout the world. Our culture would say this was stupid. This is true. This is facts. This is not stupid. This is reasoning. This is rational thinking. This This is total. It is emotional stability and not being driven by your emotions. A close friend once told me, that my emotions could either be a gauge or a guide. God intended them as a gauge to let me know how I was doing while the world wanted to use my emotions as a guide. For example, if you read scripture, you know that anger in and of itself is not wrong. I deal with anger a lot here because when I wrote these poems, I was, it was my form of letting out my anger and God dealing with me. So anger is not wrong. The leader that allows anger to be a gauge then asks some great questions like, why am I angry? is this situation or person worth being angry over? Or am I allowing my anger to control my thinking and decisions? Great questions, right? There's nothing wrong with being angry and asking those questions that lead us to a place of freedom. But the leaders that are allowing anger to guide them, they never ask questions, if you notice, but they always breathe out accusations. This is why the church isn't growing. It was because we were placed in the wrong place, or it's because this person left the church this way, or this, or or people just don't get it, or people aren't giving the way they're supposed to be giving, or you know, in ministry, you know, they just don't understand our true mission, or they or or COVID nineteen is preventing us from traveling, or you know, the great leaders never complained about not being able to travel anymore. They just worked with the situation, and God gave them anointed ideas that allowed them to grow their ministries and grow their influence throughout whatever epidemic we were in, it's beautiful. As a leader, if Jesus is truly my mediator for sin, if he is my undeniable example for life, and if he is my king forever, he is the literal antidote for the drama that this world surrounds me and all of us with, I then must allow the dramatic to prove my dependence is only on God. I am positioned because he has called me and that I remain emotionally stable no matter the circumstances. The blueprint, the foundation of being a great leader revealed to the culture in which you lead is within the pages of the book God printed and nowhere else, y'all. The Christian leader must stop using the Bible as another resource and put it back where it belongs as the source. The seven ways to grow your church can no longer be your go-to before the word of God and his voice through the Holy Spirit himself. The leader must stop portraying himself as a victim within earthly situations while proclaiming to be the victor in kingdom matters, right? As a leader, you can't be both at the same time. Be the victor and lead those that follow you to the most victorious leader ever, Jesus, for the torture and cross he suffered through through, and on is not a sign of him being a victim to sin, but rather signs of him victoriously conquering sin itself. Will the dramatic times we are living in, you know, in 2020, and we think it's going to get better, you never know. Will these times reveal you as a leader or as an imposter? Only time will tell. Thank you for following me through this first season. It was a great learning experience. And I want to just give you a really quick heads up on what you can expect moving forward. For the next couple of weeks, maybe three or four weeks, I'm going to have a couple fun and deep conversations with some great leaders. We agree on much and we disagree on much, but we have unity in Christ and it'll be a fun thing to listen to. Then I've Decided that season two will be on my spoken word called Perfection, which is about something my son is going through and what our family is going through with him. I really look forward to spending those next 10 weeks, those 10 episodes dealing with healing and dealing with the thought of healing and kind of breaking down what I truly believe about God and and being our healer. Remember, not just that I love you and I'm grateful for you, but in a world of groupthink, you can watch me, mock me, block me, or join me but you can't silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends.